0: Achtung Millwall supports the Lions Food Hub and all of our advertising revenues will be donated to support this fantastic initiative. It's now based at the Lions Centre on Bolina Road and it's run by our own Kelly Webster. This is a friendly food bank supporting families in the Bermondsey and SC16 area. If you can help support the Lions Food Hub in any way, please visit at Lions Food Hub on Twitter or get in touch with us at Achtung Millwall. The Lions Food Hub. Come on, you Lions.
1: You're listening to Achtung
0: Millwall, broadcasting from your beautiful South except no Hello dear listeners, welcome to Achtung Millwall, my name is Nick Hart. you're listening to the number one Millwall podcast. Um, I'm doing a little um, solo podcast for you today, more in truth as a kind of a therapy podcast um, Trying to get back in the saddle, um, you know, a kind of like a rehabilitation, <laughs> if you like. As um, you may or may not know, I had a bit of heart trouble a few uh, weeks ago now, back four weeks ago, strange as it feels to say that. Um, and it knocks you off the, um, knocks you out of your stride somewhat. So I'm trying to do some podcasts. I did one with uh, Neil Fisler the other day, a football history podcast. Which was an interview with a chap from a Jack the Jack Leslie campaign, which is um, uh, regarding a Plymouth Argyle player who was badly mistreated by the FA in the nineteen twenties. So that was a bit of a first step to um, trying to do normal shows again after you know being knocked out of my my stride somewhat by the uh, by the the event. Um, I don't quite include doing the show with the chaps, the Acton Mill sh- uh, show, because. To some extent, there I can, um, and it's not like you know, speaking single-handed or, or talking to a stranger on online. Um, that kind of runs itself to some to some level. So anyway, this is an attempt to try and get back into the um, into the stride of doing shows, and I thought that you might like to consider with me the notion of pre-season. We're in pre-season at the moment. The lions are. Playing up in Scotland, I think the game against Motherwell is lined up for the weekend. A lot of uh, coverage online, which is a marked contrast to some of the pre-seasons of the past. So, what I've done, totally without much um, structure or um, you know any kind of uh, particular plan for this, but I've gone through bits and pieces that I found from the internet, from um, Richard Lindsay's book, the complete record, um, programs, all sorts of stuff. So. This has no particular structure to it, so I apologise to you in advance, dear listener, if, if that annoys you in any way. I don't mean to do that. Um, just before we start looking at some of the bits and pieces I have turned up, um, I just want to express the support for the Lions Food Hub. Now, as you know, we always run the little trailer before each each show. We will continue to be supporting the Lions Food Hub on this podcast for the, the season coming ahead. And what does that mean? It means that the advert money, every time you listen to an advert at the start or the middle of the show sometimes, um, it generates a small amount of revenue for the um, for the podcast, which we donate. We give it all away. We give it all to, we're going to be giving it all to Lions Food Hub this season. It's a fantastic cause. They've recently relocated from their premises in uh, on the Manor Estate, Rennie Estate, on Gully Road. And they now have a, a an actual container um, proper you know proper setup up in the car park of the lion's centre so big congratulations to Kelly Reb. so she did invite me to the opening um, ceremony last night I couldn't make it because unfortunately the um, the condition makes you get a bit tired sometimes and it was just wasn't up to it yesterday but I just want to send my congratulations to Kelly for relocating for putting a huge amount of work into the lion's food hub it's doing fantastic work supporting local families in Bermondsey, SE16 locally, and we're going to be backing it for the season going ahead, so every time you listen to our show, you kind of have to listen to the adverts, but at least um, be consoled, dear listener, with the thought that that's going to a good cause, because um, that's what will happen with the money that gets generated. Anyway, enough about that. Um now we're talking about pre-season, um, we've, what's the today's the 9th of July, Friday 9th of July as I record these rambling notes, um, so we're into pre-season now, the the kind of warm-up towards the start of the football season on the 7th of August, QPR away is the opening day, I shan't be able to make that game unfortunately, we're away that, that particular week, but um, I will be covering as best I can, as best I can, certainly the home games for the season ahead, I'm going to do my best to give you some coverage for the away fixtures too. Um, a lot of that's going to be health-related, um, but we'll see. We'll, we'll we'll certainly get you a show to listen to going ahead. But we are into that strange twilight period before the start of each season called pre-season. Now, I don't know about you, dear listeners, but I've always been a bit ambivalent about friendly matches generally, and I never really enjoy friendly matches. I never, haven't been to a friendly match for... Few years now, we played some Spanish opposition a few years ago. Was it Sociedad? We played at the den, I can't remember the name of the Spanish side. And I went to that. And whenever I have been to a friendly match after about five minutes, I wonder why I bothered because you know it's a warm up, um, players are not 100% committed to the tackle, everyone's trying to avoid injury, and um, you feel a bit like um, you know um, your excitement has been slightly um, wasted. Um, but there we are. That's just my cynical outlook on life. Um, one thing that did strike me doing the, the modicum of research for this particular show, dear listeners, is how over the years clo- the close season, what we call the close season, has been condensed and condensed and condensed. Um, historically, the football season, I'm talking about, you know, kind of pre-First World War really. But historically, um the football season didn't begin till September. Um August was what passed for pre season. And on that very note This is this is a piece that I found of all places from the Forfar Far Herald in Scotland. Now this was an, a a tribute to our um legendary manager, Bob Hunter. It's dated the twenty fifth of August nineteen thirty three. I think he was coming towards the end of his life at this point. And this was um a, a column that he had in the Four 4 Herald. He always maintained his links to Scotland, but it does give an interesting insight into pre-season in the pre-1914 era. So Bobby's writing about the um, probably about the turn of the century. I'm going to guess, like it doesn't actually say on this little clip that I've got here, 1900. But he says that at this point, no close season wages were paid to players. At the end of each season, he says players were free to do whatever they chose. So basically, once the football stopped, <laughs> they weren't paid. They could go and, um, you know, do whatever they liked, basically. Um, I imagine go and get some work for the most part because they would have been professionals, but um, no money, no no dinner. Um, they signed on for the following season. This were generally left at this point until quite late in the summertime. Now, bear in mind, we're talking about 1900, 1901... Um, not until the 14th of August in the year um, did Bob Hunter even concern himself with trying to get a team together. He had no players whatsoever at this point. He had one, Tiny Joyce, who was um, kind of like a a goalkeeper and general man about the club. He did some work on the ground and on the pitch. But otherwise, um, as Bob says here, um, there was only a fortnight to get a team together for me to select and engage a team (laughs) in <laughs> two weeks ahead of the football season that would start in early September. Um he says he communicated with most of the candidates by telegram. often he would um use players from Scotland. Um his plan was simply to go through the letters, fix on who I thought was the right man for us, and dispatch a telegram. This would be letters from players interested in playing for Millwall. Um and he'd send a telegram, if you're still disengaged, come and see me. We will pay expenses. That's it. That's his telegram from Bob Hunter. Um, so two weeks to get a team together. Um, not sure there'd been an awful lot of training pre-season or you know anything really or what condition they'd come in at that point. But that's how it was done at the turn of the century, 1900, 1901, and that's from the horse's mouth himself, Bob Hunter, um, who was manager of a club for 15 years and trainer on the Isle of Dogs, a legendary figure. Fascinating, I, I find this kind of thing. Fascinating, dear listeners. Achtung, Mailball. Moving along, um, as I say, this is this is totally um, rambling, and I apologise if this, if that is um, annoying. But we're going to fast forward from the turn of the century to the mid nineteen sixties, and a, um, one of the Twitter feeds that I follow which always has loads of nostalgic stuff on it, Memorabilia Mail, Memorabilia Mail, at Memorabilia Mail on Twitter. He posted a programme from 1965, 14th of August, Millwall programme, fantastic kind of blue cover with a a kind of a a depiction of a lion with its paw on on a football, as as the badge, not the modern roaring lion, different different kind of version, more like an imperial lion, I suppose you'd, you'd call it. Um, black and white photo of the striped Giants, the Lions of that era, 1965 to 66 season. This would be a pre-season public practice match. Um, three pennies, three old pennies, 3D for the program. And they were staging two kick, two games, two kickoffs um, for a, a double header against Norwich City. 130 was Mill Youth, um, which is the, the youth side, playing the Norwich youth side. And then 3.15, as was the way of the um, of the club at that point, because of the docks closing, or they would work on a Saturday morning, they would close, um, I don't know what time they would close, I guess sometime around 2 o'clock, and that would give the men time to get from Surrey Docks or any of the other docks that they were working on to the Den, to Colblow Lane. Um, I think 3 o'clock would have cut it too fine. That They used to kick off at 3.15 to accommodate the dockers that would make their way over to the... Um, to the ground. Um, so, yeah, Mill Youth versus Norwich Youth. I, I don't know many of the names over a one, one name leaps out of me at, playing for number five Mill Youth, 1965. Barry Kitchener, centre half, my hero as a boy. Otherwise, these are not names that I know. Go, Guy in goal, Williamson, right back, Nelson, left back, Richardson at right half, centre half was Kitch, Plume, left half, Howells, don't know, Haney, inside right. Rule centre forward, Farmer inside left, Whitehead left wing. Um, on the Norwich side, Bond on the left wing. That would be John Bond, who I think would later go on and manage the club. And I think he played for West Ham as well. Otherwise, none of the Norwich names leap out at me. On the full side, the the the, the first team. This these would be legendary names. I'm going to read to you now, dear listeners. Stepney and Goal, uh, John at right back, Harry Cripps left back. Uh, Jones, Brian Jones, right half. Brian Snowden, sorry, centre half. Tommy Wilson, left half. Barry Rowan, right wing. John Gilchrist, inside right. Len Julian, centre forward. Hugh Curran, um, inside left. And on on the left wing, Cheese Wright. Don't know Cheese Wright's name at all. Way before my time. Uh, I was four years old when this game was played. Dear listeners. Playing for Norwich. Interesting. Inside left for Norwich, Number 10. Gordon Bolland, who would then join the Lions later on in his career um, and be part of the near-miss team of 71-72. Um, a man, a good goal-scoring kind of midfield a forward-attacking midfielder, I suppose you'd call him, Gordon Bolland. Um, possessed of a, of a fantastic 70s haircut. If you ever see any of these nostalgia tweets about um, bad haircuts from football in the 70s, Gordon Bolland would normally pop up. Um, picture of Barry Rowan in the uh, club notes there with the old Greyhound Speedway track over the back. Totalizer. I do remember seeing the Totalizer board at coblo Lane when I first started going in the early 70s. Now, I do have a report of the game. Millwall won Norwich and we won the friendly game. This is a short paragraph from The People, dated the 15th of August, 1965. Uh, Millwall manager Billy Gray looks right in giving um, his promo- to his promotion men the chance to prove themselves in the third division. So we would have come up from the fourth division to the third division the previous uh, season. But Norwich, on the evidence of this friendly, inverted commas friendly, have problems to solve. True, the game was decided only by a penalty when Norwich left back Mullet, not the hairstyle, the four, the left back Mullet, was unlucky to be found guilty of tripping Mills lively outside right Barry Rowan the right-back, John, scored. Norwich could claim they should have had a penalty when a shot by inside left. Bolland, who later became Millwall's Gordon Bolland, was stopped in the line. Yet yeah, as a team, Mill were the Masters and their win would have been more clear-cut, but for an agile display by Kevin Keelan in the Norwich goal. I remember Kevin Keelan playing in the 70s, um, one of the better-known goalkeepers of the, the time. Um, I've dug out... The Wikipedia page for Gordon Bolland. 244 appearances for the Lions he would go on to make later on in his career. Via, he left Norwich via for Charlton, then joined the Lions. 244 appearances for, for us. 62 goals. Pretty good return over those 244 appearances. After leaving us in 1975, he would join Boston United. Um, he was born in Boston in Lincolnshire, so he's come back home. And he would also manage Boston briefly. The season are 76-77, um, and f- fantastic stuff. This is this kind of detail. This is um, wherearetheynow.co.uk. Um, Bolland was born in Boston, Lincolnshire, um, played his league football for five Southern clubs, Millwall mostly. He returned to his roots to live in Boston and work as a sales rep for a tyre company. Um, <laughs> it's interesting, just having seen um, modern players, there was David Beckham at Wimbledon earlier on. I know he's a different level of player, but... Um, there was no kind of cushy life for footballers in the 70s. It was working at tyre fitters basically after you gave up the game. So there we are. Millwall 1, Norwich nil, 1965, pre-season friendly, featuring two games. That's quite a nice idea. I suppose nowadays you'd you'd pound the pitch too much to have two, a a pre-game and then the main game, you know, the youth game and then the main first team game. But... um, At that point, the pitch took whatever damage it took, didn't it?
1: That's burrow.com slash ACAST. burrow.com slash ACAST. Achtung, Mehlball.
0: Now, probably the most, uh, for me, the most memorable pre-season game ever. Um, we're going to fast forward again to the opening of the New Den, the uh, following the move from Cold Blow Lane. I've got a report here from the... Independent, which actually covered the event because it was the first new, brand new stadium to be built in London since, I think, Highbury, pre-First World War. Um And then around, around Cold Blow Lane, not so far behind that. But anyway, the first brand new stadium to be built in London. And it, it got a lot of coverage, Um written in a kind of a slightly condescending tone of voice. But anyway, we'll go with it. Um, this is from the Independent, dated... The fourth of August. It was of course Millwall One Sporting Lisbon 2, or Sporting Club of, of Portugal, I think is probably the correct name. Um headline is The Lions Savour, their den of dreams. Millwall are facing the future. With a smart new stadium, which was opened last night. Ian Ridley reports this was where the, the the ground um which I, I find it pleasingly rusted and starting to, you know, fray around the edges now. That's that's how Millwall stadiums should be back then and i remember well the experience of entering the ground for the very first time from cold i was i was actually blown away with um the the mere fact that we'd achieved this thing that this this brand new spanking new stadium it was seen as quite state of the art it was um i think it'd been based on on rangers ibrox um, rebuilt stadium in scotland and we'd constructed this 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 wonderful looking pristine Stayed. It was destined for big things. There was all the talk at the time of gigs, um, other sports being played there. Rugby league, I think, was, was talked about at one point. There was the famous boxing match, uh, Michael Bent and Herbie Hyde, uh, the, the um, infamous non-existent James Brown gig. Um, all sorts of things. I remember the um, in the build-up to us moving into the new stadium, talk of McDonald's having franchises. not that... Um, was it called New York? The New York Burger Joint or something like that they have there? Um, this was going to be proper stuff. We were going to be highly treated at the den. It all came to nothing, of course. Um, just reading the report here it says, Let them all come down to the den. It's D A H N, he's written it, which I think is cringeworthy. And they duly did last night, it says, singing the same old song, but with a different meaning since Mill moved a few hundred yards from the den in Koblo Lane to the new one at Senegal Fields. A good crowd of 17,887 in the all Seat Stadium witnessed the leader of the Labour Party, John Smith, who sadly died um, shortly after this, actually. I think it wasn't so long after opening the new London Stadium. Initially, the ground had the name of the new London Stadium, which um, never really took, never caught on. It soon became, well, it went from the the New Den, you'll often hear Northern-based reporters Still call it the new den. It became the den in time, and rightly so, I think. Um, many say there can be another, never be another, but um, I like the new stadium, even though it's now. I've been there longer than I went to Coal Lane. I like it. It's got good atmosphere. It's got good vibes. It's frayed around the edges. It's got rust, bird shit in the corner. Um, and the atmosphere on its day is as good as the old den. Don't let anyone else ever tell you otherwise, dear listeners. Um, what's he saying there? Football's acid house has become its mansion house. Good almighty. Um, the details tell of an opulence. Unusual in South East London. who your pearls. Uh, there'll be 32 executive boxes, a 600 seat restaurant, 58 places to buy food, wholemeal bread for hot dogs, he's put in condescending brackets. Um, 80 television monitors and 350 toilets. It was pretty impressive and I still think it remains remains so. Um, a game that I'd forgotten. Uh, Sporting Lisbon would would come today, managed by Robbie Robson, of course, featuring um, Jorge Cadete, but uh, most famously Luis Figo, who played that night. Um, I don't remember him at the time, but um, he was he was part of the the team. But he was before he became famous. I probably wouldn't have taken much notice of it. Um, now, a game I had forgotten, um, Lions versus Honved. I found this on an image search. This would be played shortly after that Sporting Lisbon game. This is dated Sunday the 8th of August 1993, Kick-off 3 o'clock. Pre-season friendly, Lions versus Honved. Um, Hungarian side, I'd forgotten this fixture entirely. Um, the only reason it leaps out at me, I suppose, is Honved was the, the famous club for whom uh, Ferenc Puskas played in the 1950s before he, did he defect to Real Madrid? I I don't know how you'd put that, but anyway, he he relocated himself to, to um, Real Madrid and um, acquired, uh, I think he acquired Spanish citizenship, didn't he, eventually. But Honved, famous club, um, part of the, um, they've kind of, were, were the mainstay of the famous Hungarian side that, Blitzed English football in the early 50s. They they won famously 6-3 at Wembley in 1953. Um, Form of the players from Honved. Um, still exists. Kishbest Honved FC. Um, they play in Budapest. Um, and their name means Homeland Defence, apparently. Like many continental clubs, they have other... Um, Sports, water polo, handball, and a basketball side as part and parcel. It was the Hungarian army side that's the, um, the origin of the homeland defence during the, uh, the communist era. It was known as um, the, the, the Hungarian army side, home, hence the homeland defence tag. You can find them on Wikipedia, red and black stripes, Kishbest Honvid. I'm sure my Hungarian is absolutely appalling, so apologies to any Hungarian listeners. Now a feature of pre-season which um has kind of gone out the window um is, is the foreign tour um foreign uh, is Ireland foreign I don't know I, I probably I feel like I'm jumping into another quagmire here of um whether I don't think it is strictly foreign is it um anyway I'm not, I'm not going to go I'm not going to go into Anglo-Irish relations um I've got a couple of uh, programs from tours in the early early 90s Cove Rangers versus Millwall, there's got, this was during the year of Mick McCarthy, I think Mick's presence got us a lot of good friendlies in, in amongst the Irish clubs around Dublin, and, and and there's one here, Dundalk, 1992, Dundalk v Millwall. Uh, Kilkenny City, there's a, a nice programme that I've got here versus Millwall. Of English Division Two. Buckley Park in Kilkenny, that's dated the 14th of August 1990, um, which we won 2 0, I find, from the Richard Lindsay book. a fantastic repository of knowledge. And then Bohemians, we played Bohemians um, 1993, 31st of July, Tolka Park. Again, uh, Mick McCarthy's image um, front and centre on the front page. We don't do, I know we're in Scotland now, but these. The modern thing and it went with the Portuguese tours that we had a couple of years ago, seems to be to plan behind closed doors. These would have been just, you know, people want to go over there, pay your entrance fee you and go and watch it. Sadly, sadly, things of the past really, aren't they? I suppose COVID has also now destroyed the prospect for travelling anywhere. Just looking through Richard's book, I mean the the Irish tours there, we're in Scotland at the moment. Nineteen seventy eight, we toured Sweden. Tour of the Swedish, some Swedish clubs. A couple of interesting fixtures here. 1984, this one fascinates me. I don't know why it fascinates me. 21st of August, 1984, Millwall 3, United Arab Emirates 1, a game played at Harlow. What are we doing with Harlow? It's not quite a foreign tour, is it? It's not going to get so many as going to watch uh, the Bohemians friendly or... um, the Portuguese tour, or, you know, Sweden perhaps, um, played at Harlow. And I did a little bit of research, very little information about this 3-1 win over the UAE. I don't know if anyone went to it, if anyone did attend the game, or if it was for spectators even. Um, Harlow Football Club, Harlow Town, at that point, played at a sports centre, which has now been demolished. Um, So it would have been probably a kind of a running track and sports centre, which I'm guessing some kind of... Pre-season warm-up tournament. I don't know if it'll be behind closed doors or or what. But anyway, if anyone knows anything about this game, Millwall 3, United Arab Emirates 1, 1984, then uh, give us a shout. Why not? Get in touch with us via the, um, the email, achtungmillwall at gmail.com or um, des- message me on Twitter. DM me. DM me. Achtung, Millwall. A game I do... <laughs> I remember this game. I think I said um, the most memorable game I've been to was Sporting Lisbon pre-season, in that sense. Um, This was infamous, I suppose. This was uh, the 13th of August, 1977. Mill 1, Ipswich 6. Pre-season friendly, which I went to. I think I was about one of the few Mill fans in the stadium because at the same time, on the 13th of August, 1977, this would be a three o'clock kickoff. Uh, there was the Lewisham riot. The National Front were marching through Lewisham and there was a counter-demonstration um, from various um, you know, left-wing socialist groups versus National Front who were marching from New Cross. I think their intent was to march to Lewisham. It, it finished up in rioting chaos in, in the, the New Cross to Lewisham area. Um, I didn't go to that. Um, a lot did, I think, on both sides. Um, I went to the football and I well remember walking, coming out of um, New Cross Station at the time to walk my traditional route across the uh, park, Horn, is it hornshey Street there, Brockle, Brocklehurst, um, wondering why there's like these huge crowds up on, on the on the hill there going up to New Cross Road. Um, innocent me, I was what, 16 at that point and I just wanted to go and watch the football, which was a, a 6-1 loss. Coincidentally, later on in the same season, of course, we'll face Ipswich in the FA Cup at the Den. This will be 1978, March, so about five months later. And we get beat 6-1 in the FA Cup quarterfinal and another day of riot and mayhem. Um, Football-based rather than politically-based, perhaps. You could put it that way, I don't know. So, um, yeah, let's move swiftly on from that one. The Kent Cup. Remember the Kent Cup, dear listener, older listeners? Do you remember that? I used to like that. That was an idea. It was it was um, a pre-season tournament featuring Millwall, Charlton, Palace, sometimes Gillingham, sometimes um, sometimes Wimbledon, I think. And they would have um, a three-way fixture in the week before the start of the season as a kind of like a competitive start to the season. Maybe managers don't want competitive games, and it faded and died quite quickly. But the Kent Cup consisted of a game. Um, a, say at the Den, a midweek fixture at say Palace and then following Saturday last game at Charlton you had like a little group table, Um, great, great little idea and it all all seemed to stop and I think it's one of the, the, some of the fun from football seems to have gone maybe because um, I'm sure a freeway, um, away trip to Palace and away trip to Charlton led to um, you know mayhem I guess, I guess we're realists aren't we on this, on this show a um, couple of other pre-seasons I found. One one fascinated me here was from 1968, 12th of August, 68. I can find no report of this. I've got nothing on this at all other than the, um, one line from Richard's book, which is Mill 1, the Italian Olympic 11, the, the Italian Olympic side, nil, Mill 1, nil. The Italian Olympic side did not actually compete in the Olympic football tournament. They withdrew. I don't know why they withdrew. I can't find any report on that. Um, but this would have been um, for the Mexican Olympics, which was highly controversial um, in the sense that the government um, was was repressive and a lot of human rights abuses and many, many countries um, were reluctant to go. And whether that's it, I don't know. But the Italian Olympic eleven played at Millwall, got beat 1-0, but then withdrew from the Olympic football tournament. They were due to play, I think it was spain let me just check that for you dear listeners the italian team were due to play spain in the second round of group four in the olympic qualifying tournament after the game at the den and they withdrew walk over to spain Done not the circumstances of that and have not been able to find an awful lot on it one other game we used to we used to favor some night nice, we've always favored nice foreign uh, opposition sparta of rotterdam a one-all draw in 1968 actually that'd be the week before we played the italian Olympic 11, 5th of August, Sparta-Rotterdam 1, Mill 0. And there's a small report here. 30, an 87th minute penalty cost Mill victory in their friendly match with Dutch 1st Division team Sparta-Rotterdam. at Rotterdam. The match ended in a one all draw. Brian Conlon... Scoring for Millwall, um, that, so we used to have quite um a, quite a, an hour a cosmopolitan outlook. Would that be what you'd call it there? I, I quite like that. There's, there, there may well be a show in foreign opposition for Millwall. Um, but this is this is focused on pre-season. So that was a pre-season warm-up in Rotterdam versus Sparta. Probably wouldn't do it now, would you? <laughs> you wouldn't do it now, no. And finally, finally. Finally, a different take on pre-season, 1912. We've spoken already about Bob Hunter at the start of the show having to get a team together in a fortnight. In 1912, he organised a sports day as a a kind of a warm-up, pre-season warm-up. And this is a paragraph from The Sporting Life, dated the 17th of August, 1912. Um, Excellent entries have been received for the opening football sports tournament. Football sports. It wasn't just football to be held at the Den in New Cross Um, today, starting at 3. There's an hour race. I thought it was running for an hour. And I suppose whoever came in first after an hour was the winner. Um, Featuring a Finnish runner there, one Etienne Valtisberger and H H.C.R.A. of Paris. Uh, A guy from Dublin, T. Neal, and Private Stanton of the Middlesex Regiment. And most of the middle team will be competing in the football competitions. And there are also a variety of amusing contests, as well as the racing. So those who wish for a good afternoon sport will be wise to make it to the den. Um, sports Day, that's the way to do it. Why don't we do that now, Gary Row? if you're listening? Instead of having you know proper conditioning and diet and all the rest of it, get like a tug of war and Aunt Sally. We can throw sponges at the, at the manager pre-season. Um, that's the way to do it, I think. There we are. I apologise if this rambles. As I say, it is very much trying to, when we try and get back going with, with podcasting. Um, let me know how it sounds. Let me know if it's a little old tosh. Um, if it isn't, and I hope it isn't, do tune in again for the start of the new season. Until then, arriva derci Millwall.
1: Thank you for listening to Act and Needle. If you enjoyed the show, please go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheap little with you. I reverted Action Moodle. Till next time. Who do you want to watch? <laughs> a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance.